Hello and welcome. I'm Gabby Pavlovich and you're listening to the Revitalizing Health podcast. Here, we're going to take a deep dive into all things health, whether that's your personal health, the health of your community or your environment. We're going to explore how all of these are interconnected because as you'll discover, you can't have healthy people without a healthy planet. So as we embark on many thought-provoking discussions with people from different backgrounds and fields of expertise, I hope you gain some valuable insight from the conversation. And remember, everything we discuss here is for information and education. So if you need to seek any personalized health advice, please do so with your primary healthcare practitioner. So with that, let's get stuck right into it. Hello, hello. Today I am reporting from home base uh, back in Melbourne after some little time away. So just paying my respects to the traditional custodians of these lands where I live, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I would like to extend my respects to elders past, present and emerging and also would like to extend this to the traditional custodians and the elders of the lands where you're listening today. I'd like to talk a little bit about this thing we call work-life balance. Now, as an online practitioner, I've recently been battling with the idea of being consistent and showing up regularly online whilst also ensuring that I'm taking time away from all that, away from the screens, the digital world generally, so that Firstly, I can stay sane, but also so that I can remain connected to myself and the people in my life who I appreciate, who I love, but also to remain connected to the things that I enjoy doing outside of work, the things that I like to experience in my day-to-day life. You know, for me, that is spending time in nature. That is taking time to nurture my mind, my body, my spirit. That's spending good quality time with, you know, deep, meaningful connection, um, doing hobbies, you know, and that can be different for different people, what those things are for you. I, I felt called to talk about this topic today because, uh, as of this recording, it's, um, early November, 2022. And recently I took some time off for the first time in a long time. So, my partner and I went up to sunny Queensland up north and we had a great time just soaking up the sun and the fresh air, it had some good company and it was it was wholesome. But in the lead up to that break and even just reflecting on getting back afterwards, I'm just noticing how I've actually established my baseline, um, my, my nervous system, I guess, its baseline is centered around work. That's not something I really want to make a long-term habit of, but I understand as a relatively new business owner and professional generally in this field and, you know, having my fingers in lots of different pies, uh, it's actually become sort of the norm for me to just get into that working mindset as my baseline. And I'm not sure if many of you can relate to that, but um, not sure about you. I actually want to work to live, not live to work. 
I want to cultivate a life that is filled with joy and ease and calm and love and then my work works around that. I don't want to revolve everything else around to my work. Um, and I think maybe that's something that you might want to. Uh, the thing is, when you love what you do, it can be really easy to fall into the habit of overwork or overstriving because you justify it. You say, oh, hey, I love what I do. So no worries. It's easy until it's not. So you might be on the other side of that coin. So you might actually not really love what you do. You're doing it because maybe uh, it's paying bills and it's a good security blanket, but maybe it doesn't exactly align with your true purpose. You're just doing it for whatever other reason. You could be somewhere in between. You know, we can all relate to the idea of knowing how important it is to achieve a level of balance in life, no matter where you sort of place yourself on that spectrum of whether you love what you're doing or not. Honestly, though, it's been quite difficult trying to maintain this state of balance among what I consider work, leisure, rest, so on. Um, Balance is not something that comes easy to me, I'll admit that. Is this something you relate to as well, perhaps? Perhaps it's not easy for you to just fall into that state of balance. I do actually feel like balance is something I'm constantly looking to achieve in different ways because I understand my life ebbs and flows in different and very unpredictable ways. But I think it's that's something we need to remember. We need to remember that life is ebbing and flowing. And maybe what feels balanced for you today might not actually bring you that same level of ease, of calm, or of joy tomorrow, next month, next year, in the next five years, because we're constantly changing. Our lives are unpredictable. If you're someone who tends towards perhaps a bit of self-criticism when you don't achieve the things you want to, whether that be, you know, various goals you've set or like we're talking about here, a state of balance for yourself, there can often be feelings of guilt. So let's use the example of work-life balance, right? There can be guilt around not achieving this balance. You might even um, find that you're adding finding balance to your to-do list. You write it down, you say, I'm going to cultivate a work-life balance. It's something I need to check off. (laughs) You're making it feel like it needs to be achieved. It's something that needs to be accomplished and accounted for. And that if you don't tick it off, which you probably won't, because let's be honest, you're in a perpetual cycle of constantly piling things on your lists and your calendars and you're never going to get to the end of it. (laughs) But if you don't get to achieve that balance that you set out to, you might feel like you're doing something wrong. So if you're conscious of this, if you're conscious of this sort of tight grasp that you have on feeling compelled to get a million things done, you might actually feel like there's something that you're doing to sabotage your success or to sabotage your sense of calm and peace and balance or your regulation and ease that comes with having that 
ideal work-life balance. This kind of reminds me of a conversation I had recently with Gemma Hanley. So Gemma and I talked about the idea of self-sabotage and Gemma is a women's anxiety coach. She actually said what she said was really, it resonated with me deeply. So she said, self-sabotage is a term that's actually really quite detrimental and that she doesn't actually use that term herself because what we consider or what I guess society considers self-sabotage is actually a self-protective mechanism. It's actually a way that our body adapts to a circumstance which it's unsure about or which it thinks is perhaps putting us in harm's way. It sees what we're dealing with as either a real or perceived threat, but it's a threat nonetheless. And so by quote unquote self-sabotaging our outcomes or creating some kind of behavior that's that doesn't result in what we actually want to achieve, instead of looking at that as we're doing something wrong, there's something wrong with me, instead of like self-attacking, you know, and just saying it's all on us, there's something wrong with us, we're sabotaging, I suggest maybe we flip that that self-talk. Maybe we flip that And instead of saying, oh, I'm self-sabotaging, like, where is this coming from? I've got to stop doing this. We should flip that. We We should say maybe something like, my body, my mind, my nervous system is trying to protect me from something. And I'm curious as to know what that might be. What is my body, my mind, my nervous system trying to protect me from? Now, the power of looking at this concept in this way is that we can now see that there is a deeper layer to the behavior. There's a deeper understanding that needs to be had about any resistance that's coming up to achieving that ideal outcome. So viewing self-sabotaging behaviors as more of self-protective behaviors or mechanisms, that's something that makes sense to my evolutionary biology mindset. So in those terms, we can actually use this as an opportunity to delve deeper. We can delve deeper into, you know, what is that concern? What is that fear that our subconscious mind, that autopilot mind, what are the fears that it has around doing this quote unquote self-sabotaging so that we don't get what we want? Is it a fear of change that's behind this? Is it a fear of success behind it? Maybe it's something like a fear of failure. It could be a whole bunch of different things, but we don't know unless we actually inquire, unless we're curious about it. And it's fostering a kind of curiosity towards these kinds of feelings that we have is something that I think we should encourage all of ourselves to do and we should encourage others to do because the more that we can maintain that sense of curiosity and the more we can start to learn about ourselves, we can also start to learn about each other. And then I think that will lead to better communication because we know why we're acting the way that we do. So 
that's just a few kind of thoughts on that. But maybe I'll I'll illustrate better with with a personal example. So lately, let's say with the whole digital sphere, we'll talk about that. When I've been finding that I'm not, say, showing up regularly on Instagram, for example, I'm moving from that feeling of self-attack, like like it's my fault, I'm doing something wrong. I should be showing up more on the gram so that people who care about what I do and are curious about what I do can learn more and I can provide value to people. So I'm moving from that place of self-criticism that sense of guilt or feeling like I should be doing more or I should be doing better, I'm moving from that place to a place of curiosity around, well, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel like it's such a priority to do that? And why is it so critical that I'm critical of myself for not doing it? Just food for thought there. So I think the way I feel or the reasons why I feel this way around showing up constantly in the digital space, they they might not even have anything to do with the belief systems or conditioning that I have. They may very well, and I'm pretty sure that they do, but it might even just be the simple fact that evolutionarily, we're not adapted to spend our time in a digital world. We are operating in a world that our minds, bodies, and spirits have not been able to adapt to quick enough. Simple as that. And this idea of an evolutionary mismatch is something I'd really like to delve into further in podcasts and in written material, because to be quite honest, this mismatch is what I'm essentially educating people about every single day in what I do. Most of what my job is, is actually helping people to remember who they are, helping people to remember that they are, they are nature. They're not separate from nature. This is something we talked about in an episode with Stefan Filippo when we talked about the healing power of nature. And we've brought it up time and time again. We are not entities that are attached to screens. We do not have appendages that are digital. These little black mirrors our eyes are glued to for hours on end are not extensions of ourselves. We are flesh and blood and spirit. And so if you're not showing up in a space and you feel guilty because of that, maybe the deeper need there is the need to feel connected to yourself, the need to feel connected to who you are. And there are different ways that we can connect to who we are. Connecting to the self can be done in so many ways and it's very individual. So in my podcast with Gemma Hanley, we talk about doing inner child work as a way to connect to ourselves, really connect to that that inner child version of ourselves, which is dictating the way we live our lives now as adults. But we can connect to ourselves in any way that appeals to us. It doesn't have to be doing inner child work. Not everyone wants to do that kind of work. Some people like to meditate. Others like to connect to themselves by doing something creative, especially doing something that's really tactile. That's why I find uh, encouraging people to kind of establish a creative outlet where they are using their hands is something that is really useful, something I prescribe quite often because it helps them get out of their mind and into their body and allows them to connect with themselves in a way that they otherwise might not be able to get in touch with themselves. So if there's something that 
you want to try and cultivate in a creative way, try to think of something that you can do with your hands. Maybe it's some kind of arts or crafts. Maybe it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's gardening. It could be a whole bunch of different things. Something tactile. Something where you're getting into your body and out of your mind. Not necessarily even out of your mind, but you're able to be in the present moment. That's the whole idea is coming back to like, what are you doing right now? Where are we right now? Where am I right now? Other ways people can connect can be things like dancing or, you know, doing any kind of other, like your body centric activity where you're just really embodying that presence. But, you know, it might be something simple as sitting quietly and peacefully without having any stimulation whatsoever, having a quiet introspective time. Some people can really benefit from that. I know I do at times. Connecting with ourselves, it involves a state of being and creating what Gemma referred to in that podcast as a sense of spaciousness. So I'd like to ask you, Where can you create space for yourself today? Where can you create spaciousness in your life where everything else is busy and go, go, go? Where can you actually provide spaciousness in your life so that you can just be with yourself, so that you can connect with yourself, so that you can really be curious about what it is you need? So some reflections for you today, feel free to journal on this. It might be something you'd like to explore further if you do like to journal your thoughts out. Um, just reflecting on this conversation, what I've said, what I've shared, I realize now that what I need is some space probably from the digital world. After coming back from a short break, I realized that I really need some, some nurturing within nature and need to really kind of cultivate that balance between the digital virtual sphere and the real outside world. And so I'm not sure what my life will look like moving forward as a practitioner in a digital space and as a podcaster, but I know achieving a state of balance between spending time in the virtual world and spending time in the I guess, quote unquote, real world or the world of nature is something that I'm constantly working on. It's something that I'm learning to do. It's something I'm learning to adapt to and with, especially as I grow and evolve as a person because my needs, my desires are going to change as I grow and I'm finding that they are. So maybe this resonates with you too, whether you're, you know, predominantly in the digital world or not. But if you're in a similar boat, it's absolutely okay that you haven't figured it out yet because like I said at the start of this chat, it's our life ebbs and flows. It's dynamic and being receptive to what we want and what we need at any one time is the ideal situation. We don't want to override that. We want to listen to ourselves. There's always going to be more to figure out. You're never going to really know the answers, so Whatever balance you're trying to achieve in your life, whatever goals you're trying to set for yourself, just 
give yourself credit for how far you've come in getting closer to it. And even if it doesn't feel like you're moving or maybe you're going two steps forward, four steps back, it's okay because you're still moving. As long as you're moving and you don't become stagnant and comfortable, just keep moving. So it's a lot of thoughts for you today, (laughs) a lot of reflections, but I hope that they give you something you needed to hear or needed to sort of ponder and uh, look forward to sharing with you again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you've gained some value from this episode or any others for that matter, I'd encourage you to show your appreciation and gratitude in uh, one or more of the following ways. Firstly, you could rate and or review where you listen to the podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just uh, put a little five star in there or let us know what you thought of it uh, so more people can listen to it as it gets more ratings. Uh, Share on your social channels or even share directly to someone who you think might really like this episode. You can make a direct donation, which you can do by following the link down in the show notes, uh, which will go towards supporting me to organize, produce, and share the valuable content that I provide here. Uh, You could use any of the affiliate links on my website if you're interested in purchasing any of the products or services I've used myself and genuinely recommend, or just send me a DM or an email to let me know what you've gained from listening to the episode. I love hearing from people. Uh, Once again, thank you for taking the time to listen. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And I'll see you on the next episode. Be well and take care.